in his book, Learning to Trust. Bernie May tells about Eunice Pike, who worked for decades with the Mazatec Indians in southwestern Mexico. And while she was there, she discovered that um, this group of people had a concept of what she called limited good. In other words, if she, if she asked the baker who taught you to bake bread, the baker would answer, I just know, meaning he had acquired that knowledge without anyone's help. Only so much good, there's only so much good to go around, only so much knowledge, only so much love. So to teach another what you know would mean that you would drain yourself of knowledge. To, have, to love a second child means that you would love the first child less. To wish someone well, have a good day, means you have just given away some of your own happiness, which cannot be reacquired. Limited good. Well, that's odd behavior for us. And in another example of odd behavior, a teacher and leader gets up from his place at a table. He wraps a servant's towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and washes the feet of his students, drying them with the towel. We learn about this in John chapter 13. We hear the story every Maundy Thursday. That is right around the time of Passover, and we are told that Jesus was celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. So it's sort of ironic that after the Passover, which celebrates freedom from slavery, then Jesus takes on the role of a slave as he washes his disciples' feet. He establishes the image, the form that their lives should take from this night on. They have been followers. Now they will be leaders. But they will go about leadership in a very different way from the norm. Until I was thinking about this sermon, I didn't realize how often we use the word way. An usher will show you the way to the restrooms. A prayer shawl team member will show you a good way to knit. The ceiling is way above our heads. There is more than one right way to pray. When Haley got a hit at her softball game, we yelled, way to go. A way can be a distance. It can be a path or a manner of living as we travel toward a destination. Businesses, churches, and individuals talk about our need for a destination. And Paula mentioned GPS is right. We have to insert a destination into that machine before it will show us the way. In Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the King of Hearts, when he was acting as judge, pronounces sentence first, verdict afterwards. Okay? We can't. We don't do it that way. We don't get to the destination and then figure out what the destination is, or we try not to. So in chapter 13 of John's Gospel, we're still a chapter before today's reading, Jesus has a destination in mind, but 
he may be more attuned to the journey than he is to that destination. When Jesus is so close to Peter that he is touching his feet as he washes and dries them, that is a spiritually intimate moment. The prospect of that at first made Peter uncomfortable enough to say, Lord, you will never wash my feet. But because Peter couldn't have stayed connected to Jesus without that intimacy, he changes his mind. In doing this, Jesus is showing them the way to travel. And almost immediately following this intimate moment with his disciples, all 12 of them, Jesus says to these clean-footed people, where I am going, you cannot come. He's preparing them to feel torn apart from him, and yet he encourages them to not let their hearts be troubled. Really, Jesus? While they will be separate for a period of time, though, Jesus knows that they need to separate. The disciples have one task. Jesus has another Jesus has just told his disciples their job. It's to love one another. Just as Jesus has loved them, they should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that they are his disciples. But Jesus is going off the path. He's going to redirect his energies to prepare a place to receive them. I bet most of us here have spent the night in someone else's home. Unless it's a family member who lets you fend for yourself, the sheets smell clean, the towels are laid out, even the soap dish is free of residue. In an expression of divine hospitality, someone has caringly prepared a place for us. Some people don't have a place. In the West African country of Ghana, a cultural practice called trokosi follows the belief that when a family member commits a crime, the only way to appease the gods is to send a young virgin girl to the shrine to become the wife of a fetish priest. The practice has been made illegal, but it continues to exist. At least as recently as 2005, when one of these Trakosi slaves was released, she was unable to go back home because she was seen as a bad omen to her family. She had no money, she had no special skills, she was stranded with nowhere to turn. And into the lives of some of those young women, came the Baptist Relief and Development Agency. Brita took in these women along with their children and provided them with a home, an education, vocational training. Jesus' friends, his disciples, too, were on the margins. They walked from town to town. They depended on the hospitality of others for lodging and food. 
to have a place prepared for them to stay, that was a big deal. Most of us have a physical place to stay, and yet we continue to seek an emotional home or a spiritual home. If you've ever seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you may remember that image at the end of the film where after Clarence, the angel in training, shows George Bailey what his town would have been like without him. George returns to his house and his family with renewed joy and appreciation for life and everything in it. The Christmas tree is up. All his friends are there. His family is waiting for him with open arms. They accept him back completely. It's a beautiful sense of home. Any day we might encounter someone searching for this sense of home. People such as one woman in the depths of depression who feels like she has been living a lie since she was a child. She's desperate for a way home. A man dealing with the death of his parent feels like his sense of home has been pulled out from under him like a loose rug. He craves that old sense of security and refuge. A woman in a nursing home can't understand what's happening because her brain is not functioning the way it used to. This is not home. She knows this is not home. And even those of us whose lives are not in such difficult situations crave a sense of comfort and security that home offers. And when Jesus then tells the disciples that if he goes away to prepare a place for them, if he leaves them, that is not the end. It's not a dead end. The separation is not eternal. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Now, obviously, that date was not May 21st, 2011. But at some point, we have this image of parting and coming back together. It's like two roads that come to a a fork or a T at the base of a mountain. And then they each circle around the mountain in opposite directions. But when they get to the other side, they meet up again. Second Peter illustrates the spiritual life with the image of a place. He has reminded us of the importance of a cornerstone to a building and that Jesus can be the cornerstone of our spiritual lives. And he says, then let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When Jesus says to the disciples, you know the way to the place where I'm going? I have to paraphrase Thomas. He says, no, we don't. You didn't even tell us the destination. How can we know the way? And that's when Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth, and the life. 
The spiritual sacrifices of which Peter speaks are a part of that way. Love of God and others and self is a part of that way. Jesus has been training them in the way for as long as they have been together. A mother sent out the story on the web about their 14-year-old dog, Abby, who had died. And the day after the dog died, her daughter, her four-year-old daughter, Meredith, was talking about how much she missed Abby. And she asked if they could write a letter to God so that when Abby got to heaven, God would recognize her. And so that's what they did. Meredith, the four-year-old, dictated the words to her mother, saying, Dear God, will you please take care of my dog? She died yesterday and is with you in heaven. I miss her very much. I'm happy that you let me have her as my dog, even though she got sick. I hope you will play with her. She likes to play with balls and to swim. I'm sending a picture of her, so when you see her, you will know that she is my dog. I really miss her. Love, Meredith. Into an envelope went that letter. They addressed it to God in heaven, put their return address on it. And then Meredith put several stamps on the front of the envelope because she said it would take a lot of stamps for it to get all the way to heaven. And then they dropped it in the letterbox at the post office. Several days later, there was a package wrapped in gold paper on the front porch. And it was addressed to Meredith. The mom didn't recognize the handwriting, but Meredith opened it, and inside was a book by Mr. Rogers called When a Pet Dies. And taped to the inside front cover was the letter that they had written to God in its opened envelope. And on the opposite page was the picture of Abby and Meredith and a note. Dear Meredith, Abby arrived safely in heaven. Having the picture was a big help. I recognized Abby right away. Abby isn't sick anymore. Her spirit is here with me just like it stays in your heart. Abby loved being your dog. Since we don't need our bodies in heaven, I don't have any pockets to keep your picture in, so I'm sending it back to you in this little book for you to keep and have something to remember Abby by. Thank you for the beautiful letter, and thank your mother for helping write it and sending it to me. What a wonderful mother you have. I picked her especially for you. I send my blessings every day. Remember that I love you very much. By the way, I'm easy to find. I am wherever there is love. Love, God. It appears that the destination may not matter so much after all. Though the Mazatec Indians may believe that good things come only in limited quantities, our God has not finished creation. The God we know through Jesus Christ creates ever new possibilities, ever new ways to express divine love, and ever new ways to find our way to the place God has prepared for us. Once 
We were not a people, Peter says. We were not only alone, but lonely. But now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy. We were stuck in the mire of our own failures, like Br'er Rabbit with all his feet stuck in the tar baby. But now we have received mercy. Before the church was called the church, ecclesia, or the called out ones, the movement Jesus began was called the way, simply the way. It's a reminder that we are in process. We are moving toward the destination of God's complete presence, at which we do not arrive in this lifetime. But yet we have been given a home, a spiritual home, and we've been shown love and mercy. And so the way we live, the way we live is to show the way to others. Let us bow our heads and pray for courage. Oh Lord, we thank you for being the way for us. We cannot comprehend all that that means, but we trust that not only are you preparing a place for us, but you accompany us all along our ways. Guide us then to have faith, to have courage, and to show love in the name of Jesus, who has shown us the ultimate form of love. Amen.